Welcome to Self, a podcast where you join me, Jacob Craig, as I research the areas of self-improvement and self-discovery. I'm a researcher and author, and my mission with this podcast is to simply share what I'm learning in hopes you get as much value as I do. This podcast covers several topics, including health, fitness, motivation, personality types, self-worth, and more so that we can develop ourselves into the person we strive to be and reach new heights both personally and professionally. This episode will be discussing Ray Dalio's insightful book, Principles, and start to unravel the rabbit hole it has led me down. Being a high achiever and creative mind and also having relationships with others like Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and powerful political leaders around the world, he has tons of insight on topics like what it takes to be successful, how we can take an idea and build it into something bigger than ourselves, and why it is important for all of us to have principles that we implement in work and in life. On that note, let's get started. principles for my first episode because of just how powerful this book is. The amount I will be able to cover in this short episode will be just some of the highlights, but I am being serious when I say every page in this book has value in it. I believe it is the most valuable book that I've read in 2021. It also covers so many areas that I'll be able to branch off of this book for the episodes to follow. If you don't know Ray Dalio, he built his company out of his two-bedroom apartment up to earning the title of being the fifth most important private company in the U.S. according to Fortune. He has also been titled one of the hundred most influential people by Time and one of the hundred richest by Forbes. But his life does not revolve around accolades like this. As you read principles, you see what he cares most about are the relationships he creates along the way, and he and his family and co-workers had to overcome numerous hardships to achieve what they have today. Ray's company is Bridgewater Associates, an international investment firm, aka a hedge fund, out of Connecticut that handles investments from all over the world. Bridgewater is now up to 1,500 employees, and Ray states that the success of the company has been sustainable by, and I quote, having an idea meritocracy that strives for meaningful work and meaningful relationships through radical truth and radical transparency, unquote. Let's break down what it means in what I just said. Quote, having an idea meritocracy that strives for meaningful work and meaningful relationships through radical truth and radical transparency. Unquote. Because this really is one of his core principles and it is mentioned throughout the book. 
Since he does such a wonderful job defining an idea meritocracy, I will quote his description, and this describes how Bridgewater's culture functions overall. So an idea meritocracy is, quote, a system that brings together smart, independent thinkers and has them productively disagree to come up with the best possible collective thinking and resolve their disagreements in a believability-weighted way, unquote. Ray states how he wasn't worried about management when he started Bridgewater and never imagined the company hitting 40 employees, never mind 1,500. He started the company with a friend that he played rugby with who knew nothing about what the work entailed, and they hired an assistant. Ray was so passionate about the markets and he wanted to work with people who were smart, but also that he just enjoyed being around. That is why even today, Bridgewater strives for meaningful work and meaningful relationships, because he says there is, quote, nothing more important than getting the culture and the people right, unquote. They strive to enjoy themselves and each other's company while also executing their jobs excellently. What makes Bridgewater so unique and interesting is how they practice their idea meritocracy through radical truth and radical transparency. They not only allow, but encourage all employees, even new hires, to be honest and open about what they think of not only meetings in general, but how each person they work with executes a task and their thoughts on individual parts of each meeting. For example, he discusses two instances where he himself was critiqued. In the first, Ray had an employee email him stating that he deserved a D- for his performance in that day's meeting and that it was not just his thoughts, but everyone's in the room. The employee went on to say that he could not have prepared for the meeting and executed this badly because he has had discussions on the same topic that he executed well on in the past. There is the radical truth. And the radical transparency comes from how the entire company was able to see this email. Ray talks about this in his book and in his TED Talk and states how this feedback is crucial and how it strengthens him as well as his relationships with the people that he works with. In the second instance, Ray discusses how three of his employees decided to take him out to dinner in order to give him some critical feedback in a memo that they had created. It highlighted the negative aspects of Ray's management style. In his book, he provides part of that letter, and it reads as follows, quote, What does Ray do well? He is very bright and innovative. He understands markets and money management. He is intense and energetic. He has very high standards and passes these to others around him. He has good intentions about teamwork building group ownership, providing flexible work conditions to employees, and compensating people well. What Ray doesn't do as well. Ray sometimes says or does things to employees which makes them feel incompetent, unnecessary, humiliated, overwhelmed, belittled, oppressed, or otherwise bad. The odds of this happening rise when Ray is under stress. At these times, his words and actions towards others create animosity toward him and leave a lasting impression. The impact 
of this is that people are demotivated rather than motivated. This reduces productivity and the quality of the environment. The effect reaches far beyond the single employee. The smallness of the company and the openness of communication means that everyone is affected when one person is demotivated, treated badly, not given due respect. The future success of the company is highly dependent on Ray's ability to manage people as well as money. If he doesn't manage people well, growth will be stunted and we will all be affected. Unquote. This hits Ray hard but caused meaningful discussion on how to fix the problem. He states how these three employees did not want the radical truthfulness and the radical transparency to change in the company and that they understand Ray has good intentions, but for employees that did not know him as well, his words were having a lasting negative effect. This reflection allowed Ray to be conscious of these reactions and it began a decade-long process of producing the company's work principles that were discussed and disputed, then written down and distributed company-wide. I also noticed that the part that says, quote, the future success of the company is highly dependent on Ray's ability to manage people as well as money, unquote, relates to a later part of the book. He talks about his transition out of the CEO role, and during this transition, the company is much larger, and he catches an area where the company is skipping on quality assurance. This pushes an audit company-wide where they realize this is a much bigger problem, and he states how the company continues to do well with money management, but that those same standards need to be kept with other components of the company, especially in management. One of my favorite quotes from Ray Dalio is, quote, pain plus reflection equals progress, unquote. And he shows how this works by how the company took painful moments like those and used those situations as learning experiences to grow and develop in unique ways. Perhaps most interestingly is how they have created apps and tools to assist with management and finding out what people are like. One way that Bridgewater does this is through an app they created called the Dot Collector. The Dot Collector is used while meetings are in progress, requiring everyone to rate the attributes of individuals along with the reasoning behind their rating so that they are using real data and can look at patterns in that data to find out what people are like and what subjects they are most believable in. If you recall, their company's system revolves around an idea meritocracy that uses believability-weighted decision-making, so this is a major tool they use to facilitate that. Dalio says to, quote, think of each individual dot as an at-bat in baseball, unquote, and that you don't rate the person based off one instance, but in a collection of instances. I'd like to take a quick minute break from this episode to tell you about my work. Normally, this is where podcasts would advertise supplements or tea or what have you, and I don't have any of that for you. I simply want to inform you on where you can find my other content. 
All of my work is based on the research I do on self-improvement, and there are two main components outside of this podcast as of right now. Number one would be my personal blog, www.12paths.com. This is where I share articles like book reviews and tips I've gathered from various experts, and I also share my current reading list. If you subscribe to this blog, you will get updates when new episodes of this podcast are posted or new blog posts are up. Number two is my book series website, www.inspiringleaderscollective.com. Here you can learn specifically about the background of my first book titled Inspiring Leaders in Health and Fitness, Volume 1. If it's easier for you, you can also find my link tree at the top of the show notes, which is an easy way to connect to those websites as well as all of my socials. Lastly, if you ever want to ask me a question or reach out to me, you can email me personally at jake at inspiringleaderscollective.com. I promise to get back to you as soon as I can. Thanks. Now let's get back to the episode. A couple of other tools that Bridgewater has created and uses are, number one, the issue log. This is where employees jot down problems that arise from mistakes that are made. This allows people to own up to issues for the issues to get solved appropriately and for metrics to be created on who typically causes problems and who typically solves them. If an issue is logged, it's not a problem, but if they don't log an issue and hide it, then it becomes a problem. The second is the pain button. Ray describes how pain is, quote, an important signal that there is something to be learned, unquote, and that, quote, if you reflect on your pain well, you will almost always learn something important, unquote. The Pain Button app lets people record what they feel in the moment that they are feeling pain so that they can return later to reflect through guided questions. This brings them to solve what is causing them pain and deal with situations better in the future. Of the several tools that Bridgewater has created and is using, what I think is the most valuable is the simplest. The Daily Update tool is an app that started out as daily emails he would ask his employees to send him to inform him of what they did that day, the issues that came up, and the reflections on their day's work. From this information, he is able to see who is doing what and decide if issues should be discussed further, as well as gauge morale, workload, and collaboration from an individual's perspective, as well as collectively at a high level. I can see how invaluable this tool can be in an organization and how easily it can be implemented. The last tool that I will describe is a prominent one, and possibly the most interesting and unique as well. At the very beginning stages of hiring someone, Bridgewater uses a combination of personality tests and in-person meetings to find out what attributes best describe them and actually develop what they call baseball cards for each individual. This allows everyone that they are working with to truly know what they are like from the get-go. In the next episode, I will start to unravel what I have discovered through different personality tests, but Ray states, quote, if I had to choose between just the assessments and just the traditional job interviews to get at what people are like, I would choose the assessments. Fortunately, we don't have to make that choice, unquote. 
He goes on to describe the valuable information found in these assessments and the four that he finds most useful. Number one, the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, or the MBTI. Number two, the Workplace Personality Inventory. Number three, the Teams Dimensions Profile. And number four, the Stratified Systems Theory. In early 2021, Ray actually released his own personality assessment called Principles U, which is completely free for anyone to take, at least for now, and has a ton of great features so you can compare with others and use it in your organization as well. If you want to check that out, simply Google Principles U or check the show notes. I will have a link there. A personality type that Dalio frequently talks about in principles is what he calls a shaper. He defines a shaper as, quote, someone who comes up with unique and valuable visions and builds them out beautifully, typically over the doubts and opposition of others, unquote. He worked hard to find and recruit individuals with these qualities to Bridgewater, even going as far to find out exactly what makes up a shaper in great detail. He did this in two significant ways. The first was by talking with Walter Isaacson after reading his books on shapers like Albert Einstein, Benjamin Franklin, and Steve Jobs about what they were all like and the commonalities between them. This evolved from a one-on-one discussion in Walter's office to then Walter presenting to Bridgewater as a whole in their office. The second was by reaching out to proven shapers he knew, including Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Reed Hastings, and more. He asked them to take an hour's worth of personality assessments and then analyze them to dig into and compare and contrast their values, abilities, and approaches. Some key characteristics that Ray found that all of these shapers have in common were they were all simultaneously creative systematic and practical while being assertive and open-minded. Another crucial characteristic he uses to describe them is, quote, when faced with a choice between achieving their goal or not disappointing others, they would clearly choose achieving their goal every time, unquote. Lastly, he states that above all, they are passionate and tolerant of those who aren't excellent and want to have a big beneficial impact on the world. Ray highlights that the key difference between these individuals is whether their shaping comes mainly in inventing, mainly in managing, or if they execute both consistently over decades. As much as many of us commonly think that we wish we had the success of individuals like Jobs, Musk, and Gates, it's important that we are honest when thinking about how exceptional these individuals are and that professional success does not mean personal happiness. One of my favorite quotes from Principles is where Ray states, quote, Having spent time with some of the richest, most powerful, most admired people in the world, as well as some of of the poorest, most disadvantaged people in the most obscure corners of the globe, I can assure you that beyond a basic level, there is no correlation between happiness levels and conventional markers of success, 
A carpenter who derives his deepest satisfaction from working with wood can easily have a life as good or better than the President of the United States. If you've learned anything from this book, I hope it's that everyone has strengths and weaknesses and everyone has an important role to play in life. Unquote. He also states that, quote, some people want to change the world and others want to operate in simple harmony with it and save your life. Neither is better. Each of us needs to decide what we value most and choose the paths we take to achieve it. Unquote. He also asks us to think deeply about whether we care more to save your life or make an impact. This empowers us to think of what success means to us and take our own path to get there. The sheer amount of wisdom in Ray Dalio's book, Principles, can't be captured anywhere else. As I said in the beginning of this episode, every page holds value, and the amount of consideration you can tell is placed in the wording and phrasing is just incredible. That is why Principles is my favorite book that I've read in 2021, and it will be a book I will always keep in high regards. As you venture through the upcoming episodes, you'll see how this book has led me down a rabbit hole to learn more about and from individuals like Walter Isaacson and Adam Grant and tools that help me reflect and learn more about my personality type so that I can improve. I appreciate you for listening in, and I sincerely hope that, one, you got value from this episode, and two, that you're ready to join me in hearing about what there was to learn from the rabbit hole principles has led me down. Thank you. I hope you have an awesome day. Let's go crush it and think about what we can do to be just a bit better than yesterday. All right, I'm out.